Thanks for joining the SoarCast, where we talk about drones, manned aircraft, and satellites, and how they relate to geospatial products found on the SOAR platform. G'day everyone, it's Darren with the SoarCast, and today we're interviewing Tayo Akawumi with SpaceV. SpaceV is doing some really interesting things in the image enhancement space. Tayo, welcome to the SoarCast. Okay, great. Thanks very much, Darren. Great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. For everybody who's joining us today, I wanted to let you know how uh, we got in, in contact and uh, how you can find out more about um, SpaceV and, and what they're doing. Um, basically, it's the good old uh, LinkedIn network. We, we connected over LinkedIn and we're in the same space. We're in uh, remote sensing imagery. So whether that's satellites or drones um, or even a- aircraft, um, we're working in the same space. Uh, SOAR is, of course, the uh, data distribution platform and TIO is in the space of um, improving the images for utilization. So um, there's any number of things that can affect your imagery um, between the sensor itself, whether it's a drone, airplane, or satellite, and, and the ground. So um, I'm going to uh, let Tayo uh, take a little bit more of the, the technical stuff, because obviously this is space. So Tayo, um, maybe you can just tell us, I know I've given a bit of an intro, uh, what is SpaceV? Right. Uh, SpaceV is a new space uh, technology company, and our main reason for being alive, so to speak, is so that we can help um, those with drones, um, those also that are working with satellite imagery, um, as well as UAV imagery and other um, aerial imagery to see better through the imagery that they uh, actually derive from their various devices and equipment. Um, now, when we, I don't know if I'm going a little bit um, ahead of uh, um, you know the requirement, but uh, just briefly. Um, the kind of um, excuse me, the kind of things that can impact imagery and, and visibility include things like atmospheric haze and dust and smoke and so on. So that's really why we're here. Whether it's uh, devices um, that we produce or online platform that uh, you can utilize you know, directly. Okay. Well, th- yeah. Thanks for that. And and a thought came to mind that um, perhaps uh, people will will notice the effects of of haze or or how haze was affecting images because I've seen a number of posts about um, atmospheric pollutants being reduced with people um, being less mobile these days. So it'll be interesting to see um, you know some of the images um, when they were sort of under optimum conditions and when things get back to normal, so to speak, and um, and we have more haze. So um, you know we'll, we'll we'll just see how that plays out. Uh, I believe you're based in in the UK. Is that correct? Yes, uh, yeah, we are I'm based in London in the UK, um, but uh, very much uh, with a global perspective. Hmm. Of course. Okay, and maybe you can just tell us, um, like it, like any any company, um, you're in a, a unique space, and and people are just curious how did how did how did this get off the ground, and how did Space V uh, get started? Well, it all started with dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> some might wonder what I'm talking about, but really um, for quite a long time, I've had a deep interest like most people in, in dinosaurs, archeology span and so on and so forth. Um, and it just, and also combined with an interest, a strong interest in astrobiology and space exploration. So when you put all of that into the mix, 
um, came out, well, I basically came out with the requirement that said, okay, what if we can actually remotely dig under surfaces, um, whether we're talking about on Earth here or um, on, on Mars or Europa and so on, um, you know, wouldn't it be useful to help to plan missions better? Um, so I started to, to look into that possibility utilizing existing photos and existing video clips. And that's really how it all started. Wow, that's that's fascinating. I guess we all we all come um, sort of into this space. I, I'm a geologist, for example, and um, that's kind of how I found my way um, indirectly into this space. But it's it's quite interesting that um, you come from from that perspective. And we'll talk a little bit more about the types of images that you um, enhance, because yeah, of course, the remote sensing um, I guess reveals more data and also makes the data more accessible. So. Um, maybe you can um, give us a, a, a bit of a brief overview, like a, sort of the elevator pitch. Um, I know you, you did that a little bit earlier, but um, if somebody said, uh, you know, what, what does Space V do? And you only had uh, three floors to explain it to them, what would you say? Well, I'll say really, again, the whole reason for us being here is to help um, anyone who's interested in seeing beyond visual barriers. Visual barriers could be dust, smoke, haze, fog and even um, snowfall, um, et cetera. So that's what we're here to do. Okay, very, very interesting. Um, I can think of a lot of things that, have, that, have, that would obscure images. And of course, yeah, the, the dust and the, uh, the haze are, are obvious ones. Um, what is, what it, now, how did you come up with the name Space V? <laughs> okay, um, well, yeah. Um, Again, being very interested in exploration, like I said, space exploration. So the ideal name would have been SpaceX, but some other guy took that name. So I had to go with a second option. <laughs> so space, we actually stands for space visualization. So there you go. Very good. Now, we, we, we did allude to this a little bit. Um, people are probably wondering what types of images uh, can you enhance? Right. Um, okay. The, at the very top level, there are two types. Um, the first is the real-time imagery, um, and we work really um, primarily with full-color imagery. Um, there is some talk of possibly going towards uh, multispectral imaging um, in the future, but right now, focus is real-color, full-color um, RGB imagery, um, and we can work on that, enhance it um, in real time by either embedding the technology in existing hardware, or um, ultimately we'll be producing specific um, cameras and other devices that have the technology built in. So that's real-time imagery um, processing and enhancement. And that would work, for instance, um, ideally with drones that have to navigate all kinds of ter um, terrains in all kinds of weather conditions. And similarly, ultimately, although slightly at a, at a tangent, um, um, it'd also be useful for um, self-driving vehicles uh, in the near future. So that's one side. Then we've got, on the other side, you've got the post-processing um, aspect of um, image processing, which means that um, whether the image you, you want to work with is, was taken a second ago or 60, 50, 40 years ago, that's all fine with SpaceV. We can also process that to, to see better through um, the whatever and um, whether conditions existed in that imagery um, capture, um, or even beyond, if the if it's a clear imagery, but you want to see deeper into maybe into the ground or something like that, if it's possible, and if the information is there somehow, 
we'll be able to extract that additional uh, um, set of details as well. Okay. I, and I think you mentioned um, that you're, there's an opportunity to expand into um, multi-spectral, but I guess it's, it's fair to say that, um, you know, what, what you, and some of the examples that you have on our website are um, enhancing um, images from Sentinel satellites and the way they're displayed, they're displayed as if they're RGB, um, meaning it could be a combination of infrared and, and blue and, and um, because the Sentinel satellites have, I think, 12, spec, 12 bands um, of, of light, red, red, blue, green, as well as uh, the various infrared ones and, and ultraviolet. So um, any combination of those three um, image, or, sorry, bands, I suppose, qualify as a as an RGB image and then your um, your your process could as could as well uh, dehaze or improve the visibility is, is that a good assumption yeah totally correct um, and in actual fact if we kind of take things a little bit deeper into the technologies um, most cameras whether they're commercial um, or, or they're you know for professionals they the ccd or the cmos sensors is actually capable of sensing beyond the the typical visual range of uh, you know around the 350 nanometers um you know down to 700 or so on, on on both sides the top side where you have the the uv um and then on the lower side where you have the near infrared there are these sensors actually capable of, um, you know, taking a little bit more data um, beyond, like I said, the, the visual um, uh, spectrum band. Um, and that's the reason why, for instance, um, you know, p uh, cameras or photographers can buy uh, filters for UV light as well as filters, you know, for, um, for infrared because they impact the visual acuity um, or the aesthetics, if you like, uh, you know, photography. Whereas for companies like ours, we're very much interested in those sidebands, upper and lower. So, so you, in a way, you could actually say that our technology already deals with multispectral uh, imagery, simply because that information is already there anyhow, it's just suppressed. Well, thanks for um, pointing that out, because um, myself and as well, uh, Dan, who's helping us with audio today, um, we fly sort of um, everyday, I guess, consumer grade or, or commercial drones, drones that you could buy, you know, on the spot at an um, electronic store, not not totally cheap, you know, maybe a couple thousand dollars. But um, that was something that I wasn't, uh, in fact, aware of. So um, it's good that you shared that with us. And, and I'll, I'll certainly be exploring the uh, the outer limits of the, um, you know, the imagery that's coming with those images. So, uh, Taya, what are some of the industrial applications for the image enhancement that SpaceFee is offering? Yeah, one of the ones that we haven't actually maybe mentioned um, or not highlighted as much as it deserves is the ability for farmers to take advantage um, for crop management and crop health uh, visibility you know, with this technology. Because what it can do um, through satellite imagery, for instance, is remotely remove dust covering that might be on leaves um, so that um, the farmer can actually see how the leaves and, uh, or the plants um, themselves are actually utilizing um, light energy. Of course, photosynthesis process is extremely important for farmers, uh, and it, it really helps to understand how 
the crops are performing in terms of yield, etc. Um, so we can do that and remotely by removing the dust um, and even getting some information through um, the initial surface of, of leaves. Um, we can also see not only how um, the leaves are performing in terms of um, the, the way that they're reflecting light, um, which is what we can see already, but also how they're absorbing light and which part of the, the light spectrum um, they're, they're absorbing and utilizing because, again, that gives an indication of the health of the, the plant. And this information can also be um, you know, gathered from drone imagery as well as uh, aircraft-borne uh, imagery too, or even mobile phones. So there definitely is, is a, a great advantage um, you know, for farmers as well, whether they're small-time, small-holding farmers or medium-sized uh, farms. Yeah, well, thanks for, for for sharing that. It comes. It brings one question to mind: uh, Are you able to capture the uh, amount of distortion or image degrading? Um, you know, is is there a, a quantifiable uh, value, or is or is that something that 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 is highly varied through images, and 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 we're not quite there yet? Um, it's interesting you mentioned that, um, but that probably kind of relates. Well, the experience we've had so far relates to potential visualization of air disturbances that comes from um, an aircraft and flying at Mark 1, Mark 2, and so on, where we've seen kind of waves in the post-processed image, but we still got to do some more um, ground truth to, to be sure that what we're seeing actually relates to what we believe we're seeing. Um, but uh, an additional data that is provided um, from the SpaceV website for imagery is um, a value called entropy, which really um, translates to understanding the texture of what we're seeing uh, in, the, in the image. Um, and that can give an indication beyond what you can typically see as to the roughness, the terrain, like the texture uh, and the variability within the imagery. Um, so yeah, so there, there are some possibilities which we haven't really tapped deeply yet, yeah, but we believe that the possibility and the potential is there. Are all images that, um, you know, are acquired remote sensing, whether it's satellites, aerial or drones, um, are all of them compromised or um, affected negatively um, by some sort of haze or uh, atmospheric effect? Um, it, it's really hard to, to kind of generalize in that regard. But the problem is, um, if you look at satellite imagery, for instance, um, when you task a, a satellite to go over a certain area, you really, of course, cannot guarantee what the weather condition will be at that particular time, or even the visibility condition. There could be, you know, smoke, haze, fog, snowfall, um, light, wispy clouds. Um, all of these can impact the accuracy of the imagery. And if if you're looking to analyze the visual data and derive some useful information and actionable information from that, obviously the clearer the, uh, um, the, the imagery that you can get and even colors make a difference as well. So if all of these are compromised by these different uh, visibility conditions, um, which you really cannot predict, then of course you, you, know, you have an issue. And of course, again, It'll take a certain time, you know, before that satellite is able to again pass over that particular area. Maybe what you're looking for is already gone by that time. I know we are having more satellites and clusters out there, but nevertheless, the same issue still applies. Now, if you're looking at drones, 
exactly the same problem, um, maybe even worse because you know lower down there's more variability in terms of visibility conditions. And when I'm just talking about weather conditions, um, we're also talking about lighting. So um, you know, in very low light or darkness, um, you know, how does a drone or can a drone operate? Um, you know, whether the operator can see properly or, 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 or further enough. And then you have the autonomous drones. Again, they also need to be able to see. GPS is there, LiDAR is there, but they all have their own limitations. So again, um, I, I would say that the, the condition is actually worsened, um, you know, lower down from the satellite level. Okay. Um, you know, there's, there's, like I said earlier, there's some examples of, of your before and before and after images, uh, on our website. Uh, one, one that comes to mind is the one in, uh, Luxor in Egypt. And, um, I think I just want to comment, uh, more than ask a question is that, um, is that in fact, the, the texture or, I, you know, I'm sort of at a loss, loss for words, but if you can envision a, a desert satellite image, um, what are you going to see? A lot of sand, you know, and maybe a few uh, man-made features, but especially in that area, um, as you get further away from the Nile, there's less agriculture. There's just basically, like I said, sand and road road features. But um, what I saw in the imagery is just that um, the enhancement of the uh, of the other features. So the things that the eye wouldn't be able to discern, um, you guys were able to, uh, I guess, highlight. Maybe I can ask you a, a question that just comes to mind. Um, how does that, how would that type of um, enhancement um, apply specifically in the archaeological space? What would you be able to see that would help you as an archaeologist? Well, it's an interesting question simply because there are a lot more people ro um, rolling and roving the earth now, literally from their armchair, um, simply thanks to Google um, and also more now Sentinel-2 imagery being made available free of charge. So people can literally travel the world and do these armchair research and armchair archaeology. So what we're doing is really, if you imagine, um, for instance, like the the, um, uh, the movie Jurassic Park, and you know, imagine archaeologists on their knees at a dig site, and they've got a brush, you know, they're lightly brushing and or lightly dusting surfaces to see if they can, you know, see any indication of you know bones or anything else, protrusions, etc. That's what we're able to. Um, offer to those armchair archaeologists um, that light, remote light dusting of the surface, thereby revealing features which ordinarily, if you were to look at the same spot, you wouldn't see. So we basically remove that light covering and whatever is there that, that can be seen by the removal or as a result of the removal of the light dusting, we make very visible. And, you know, um, rather than talking about it, I would just invite people to just have a look themselves and, and see because you know, seeing is believing, as they say, you know, I can tell you all kinds of things you can see, uh, or at least have a guess. But when you see, and hopefully when you try through the Sword Earth uh, platform, you'll be able to hopefully get convinced about the possibilities. Okay, that brings me to my next question, uh, specifically how this um, dehazing de or image enhancement um, is, is achieved, people are going to be a bit curious as to um, is it is it is it black black box or what are what are the elemental processes um, that are happening to to make the image more usable? 
Um, okay, well, first of all, I could say it's black magic, but that may not be, you know, <laughs> believable. I could also say like James Bond would, um, and I could tell you, but then I'd have to shoot you after that. Um, but, but basically, really, um, what we do is, uh, what we, we realize, of course, is that atmospheric haze is primarily as a result of um, loose particles um, around the Earth that scatter, um, you know, the light that comes um, either from beyond the earth and bounces off in all kinds of directions or from the surface of the earth and again gets diffused and then uh, um, diffracted. So what we do is really to uh, is identify um, what is particle and potentially what is useful imagery and separate the two so that we can then highlight or improve the contrast um, you know between uh, um, you know, the, the image that we're looking for and, and degrade the amount of photons generated by the particle um, uh, cause rebounding. Okay. Something that, that comes up to mind um, from something I did in a, a past life concerning um, water quality. Um, have you achieved, um, I guess, um, you know, uh, improvements? I know it, sometimes in, in, you know, drone drone imagery, especially, uh, along the borders of, say, lakes and things like that, even just using the visual, say, the RGB, you do get you do you do get an amount of, of penetration. Um, have you achieved any um, you know any improvements in in this space um, in sort of improving image um, so that you can get better depth perception over over water? Yeah, um, again, uh, that's a, an excellent question that uh, alludes to at least one or two of the examples, including a, a video, an underwater video by an ROV, a remotely operated vehicle, that's on our website, where you can very, very clearly see the difference and the, uh, the amazing improvement we've been able to achieve, um, where there's an, uh, footage of a murky um, lake under the murky lake, um, the very dusty, um, brownish, and you know, once processed with our technology, you can see the water is so much clearer. Um, it's not just a matter of clarity, but you can actually see the colors. So the colors come through as well, not just the, the clarity of removing the, the dust uh, covering. So it's very much a true color that we work with. Um, so that's under the water, and whether that's in, under a lake or submarine or um, you know, under the sea, under the ocean, um, again, there are examples there that show that we very clearly improve the visibility. Um, so above water is a little bit more tricky in a way, um, simply because of the reflection that occurs on the surface of the water, because it's, it's almost like glass to some extent of certain um, frequencies um, of the spectrum um, or certain wavelengths. But nevertheless, again, there are examples where we've been able to, to see better through, for instance, um, surface, uh, um, a, a lake surface, which is um, ice or icy, and we can actually see deeper into the water, which of course could be useful for all kinds of uh, agencies, for instance, search and rescue and so on and so forth. Um, you know, so yeah. Yeah, so um, I, 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 and thanks for pointing out the video about the underwater view. And if anybody's listening gets it gets a chance, you can drop in on www.spacev. That's uh, the word space followed by vee.com. And uh, you can see examples of the work they're doing. And especially that underwater video is, is quite interesting. It's bringing about quite a bit of um, texture that um, you, know, you just normally wouldn't see. It brings up another question is, um, 
I imagine all of all of the work you're doing um, is in a way post-processed, or the or the the imagery, or the set, in this case, the video is is acquired, and then it and then it gets processed by yourself, and then and then rendered. Is is that a, a correct assumption? Um, okay, in phase one, we'll be making available um, post processing um, via our cloud-based server, um, as well, of course, um, in collaboration with Sword.Earth. Um, but our ultimate aim, or our next step, would actually be, as I mentioned earlier, to embed the technology in um, our own devices, in other words, cameras, which can then, of course, be installed um, in drones and other aircraft, satellites, and so on and so forth. And uh, we haven't actually even mentioned uh, drones on, on Mars and drones on Europa, et cetera, which is my ultimate dream. Um, but all of that is possible, just in the same way that we can have satellites and drones around the Earth and on, on, on Earth. There's no reason why we can't have that, even if we want to start on the moon, Mars, etc. So, you know, we are really talking literally from the depths of the ocean um, all the way to to all these outer um, solar bodies, um, you know, where we can have this kind of uh, improvement and, uh, uh, yeah, okay. services. And I just wanted to point out is that um, we'll include links links within the uh, the description for this um, podcast uh, to SpaceV as well as um, to examples of the uh, imagery, um, I guess, uh, in place on SOAR. So, that actually leads me over to um, SOAR because it, it's, of course, what what um, how we're able to showcase and um, you know exhibit um, sort of the before and after, and, and users are able to um, basically um, bring their work to to the world um, where they want it in a dynamic interface. So I'm I'm sort of using a lot of the the terms that um, come to mind when I'm trying to describe what it does. But as somebody who's you know outside the organization as a, as a user, could you speak about um, the the platform and how you envision uh, users like yourself, organizations like Spacefee, how they'll use SOAR? Well, I'm really excited about the whole you know premise and the whole idea and the, the current in, uh, implementation of SOAR. Really, I just see it as a perfect marriage, if you pardon the expression, you know, with companies like myself that are providing those kind of add-on um, expertise and augmentation of imagery, whether they're derived from drones um, or satellites. Um, but the, just the whole ability of just literally being able to just go anywhere um, on Sentinel-2, for instance, or through Sword.Earth, picking an image of a particular area where you have an underlying map of different uh, detail, uh, whether we're talking about Google or some other, uh, you know, um, mapping facility, um, where you have that overlay, and then you can then say, okay, I want to see more, more detail of this specific information, this specific area, and just go deeper. Um, it's just the whole layered aspect that uh, so um, Dot Earth brings to to the typical user that I just find amazing and. Uh, long overdue really and um i'm all excited about the whole the whole prospect yeah well that's quite exciting and we also have a, a video that we'll give um, people access to which is in fact yourself just giving a bit of an overview of of, of how you're using the platform to uh show the before and before and after images all in the same place so one you can you can see what say google is putting up and may have been acquired 
I don't know, six months or, or even a couple of years ago, compare it to the Sentinel imagery. And then, then in fact, the, um, the images that have been enhanced. And I really want to point out probably my, you know, favorite, um, enhancement that, that you guys have on the website. And that's, um, you know, that our, our, um, I guess, you know, natural disaster that, uh, um, Australia experienced was earlier this summer when we had horrendous bushfires. Um, and, you know, looking at any of the satellite imagery, most of those areas um, were, were obscured using um, any one of the, the combinations that we offer through Sentinel-2. And in fact, <clears throat> the, um, <clears throat> the sensors themselves um, aren't, aren't uh, designed to uh, penetrate um, clouds um, or they're, they're not operating in that spectrum. So Pretty much, I, I I was playing around with every uh, band, every one of the twelve band combinations to come up with something that that I could see through the clouds, and I just I just couldn't. Some were a little bit better um, than others. Um, I think taking away the bl the blue light seemed to help. But anyways, I'm speaking from uh, sort of what I do in my spare time. I know it sounds um, less interesting to some, but anyhow, <laughs> um, it's um, it it is it is quite fascinating. That and I just want to point out that um, you know we're looking at ways to build in. Uh, integrations with um, service providers uh, like yourself. I don't want to give away some of the other ones, but certainly this is one that is um, a red. It's it's right now it's achievable for people who need to see through um, you know image uh, images that have been compromised in any way. So on a particular day, they need to see through, um, or if they want to uh, do um, active imagery that that needs enhancement, and and so we're um, we're excited about you know that making this available to people um, because we also have um, it's super view one um, imagery that's available through soar on, on demand and so that's much higher resolution it's 50 centimeters as opposed to uh, 10 meter resolution and so if you can imagine the um, I, I can just imagine the the enhancement that would that could come across um, you know using this technology on one of those you get really um, really incredible uh, results and I guess um, in terms of even just the di discipline of logistics and uh, security, people would be able to use satellite images that otherwise are unusable and they'd have to wait around uh, for that, that integration. So um, I think that that's uh, probably a, a, good, a good point to um, you know, sort of wind down. It's been really great having you, Tayo, and um, it's, it's great having your, your images um, on the SOAR platform. Just want to again extend out the um, you know the welcome for people to check the links in this podcast to for direct links to um, both Tayo's uh, Space V Corporation as well as um, the the images the before and after images the showcasing his work that's achievable through SOAR. So, uh, behalf of um, the the SOAR team, we just want to say thanks again, Tayo, for joining us. Thanks very much, Darren, for having me on the on the show. It's been really great. Thank you. I think it's been great too. And, and hey, I've learned some things. I, I'm just keen to get out there and fly my drone and uh, grab those <laughs> end, grab those edges of the spectrum that I wasn't using before. Anyhow, um, thanks everyone for joining us and thanks for giving us your time today on the SORCast and we look forward to joining you again. Thanks everyone. That's all we have time for today. Tune in to our next SOARcast for more discussion on geospatial products found on SOAR.